Namaste. So as part of the series on collected poems, today we'll take up some of the poems of Shirobindo uh, connected to science. We'll primarily take up one poem but uh, touch upon some of them. So uh, science and spirituality have a very interesting relationship. Um, they get married, they get divorced, they get married again. Um, in heydays, in ancient India, they were together. They were not regarded as something antagonistic to each other. But in the Western context where modern science developed, they got at um, in a kind of state of conflict. And the reason was that the scientific discoveries were not going with the religious beliefs. So in the Western context, in Christianity, for example, it had become religion. There was a spiritual element, but it was lost. So religion is a question of belief. There is no further search. You can't search. You accept as a belief or you don't accept as a belief. Whereas science is about search and know. Now, in religion also, originally it was somebody who searched and knew. It was not like suddenly somebody woke up and uh, said, you have to believe whatever I am saying, which is a uh, often a misunderstanding. But subsequently... In the beginning, people were told, I have searched and I have found and I have known. You too can search and find and know. Which means it was just like science. And this process of searching and knowing along the lines on which somebody had found is called as yoga. So yoga is basically a means to realize what somebody else had realized. But over a period of time, what happens is that it becomes very difficult for man to follow that original impulse, especially in a context, religious context, where one it's a one-man show about, you know, uh, down the line, 100, 200, 300 years, 400 years down the line, it it's very difficult to follow that uh, kind of uh, urge. And so it begins to dwindle into a belief system. That's how religions are formed. In India, this didn't happen because in India, there was always a continual stream of gurus who had realized. And always there were people who were going uphill, who wanted to realize. So always there was the meeting of this current. So in India, this problem didn't take place. So it was understood that yes, to know the truth, you have to search for it. The difference was in ancient India that there are ways through which, uh, depending on the field, your way has to be according to that. So if we are searching things in matter, so you have to search for it through material means and processes. Then as your instruments developed, occult means for instance, you see in theosophy they even describe the atoms, structure, even Mother and Shubindu speak about it. So then if your means develop, inner means, then again you discover something new behind the surface phenomena. So the common thing between science and spirituality is that they are both searching for truth. And if there is no search for truth, then there is a belief system. So in medieval ages in Europe, there was this clash. For example, one of the clashes which still date goes on is known as creationism and evolution. So in um, in Bible, it is said that God created everything in six days, seventh day he relaxed. I don't know why he relaxed. It's not a very happy state. <laughs> and he relaxed. Whereas science doesn't believe in that. Science says, where are those six days? You know, That's how the concept of Sunday that now you go and pray. Because he has done what he had to do. Now, this is not a very good job as of now. <laughs> so, But in, uh, in uh, science, biological science, they said, no, it didn't happen like that. It, it happened through a process of evolution and that is going on. So there was a conflict between what 
the scientific view is and what was the official view of a particular religion and so there were a lot of things people like galileo for instance you know when uh, someone said that no it is not that the sun moves around the earth earth moves around the sun this was blasphemy that the earth is round and not flat this was blasphemy because how could you say that so this because of this science and religion fought with each other and science won no doubt about it religion now it is relegated ki it's your private matter publicly it is science you can't go and teach in school you may be having a belief that earth is flat but you can't go and teach in the school though if you look at youtube you'll see number of videos where <laughs> where you have that that saying no earth is flat people are convinced about it so that's a different thing altogether but the point is you go to school officially publicly people understand by and large that earth is not flat you may be a you know subscriber to a belief system that's your private thing so what happened people started separating the scientific elements out of a religious teaching and kept only its core that there is god and i can pray to him and he will help me so wherever science could not enter because science say for instance if you have an eye problem science will speak of surgery everything but it can't guarantee you 100% but then religion stepped in i will guarantee you 100% you go and take this holy water and you'll be fine so uh, religion entered through that door where science could not so that's how the idea of miracle came but science has this tendency to rubbish it no no this is a belief it's okay sometimes people get cured out of placebo effect sometimes they don't so this is how they started getting close again but now they have reached a point where they have to begin to once again shake hands for the totality for the total good of mankind which both apparently want so now when we look at it like that there are three possible positions that people can have with regard to science and spirituality first is science is truth spirituality is all imagination hallucinations belief system this one position where science completely negates anything which has to do with spirituality or spiritual teaching or spiritual experiences or realization they're all rubbish completely and there are famous votaries of that view the second is where they say okay there is a place for science and there is a place for spirituality so give unto caesar what is due to caesar and give unto the devil what is due to the devil so it's like it in terms of material things understanding it is science and many people still follow this is the age the old dictum rene descartes that you know you don't mix up the two so when it comes to virus don't bring in spirituality virus is a virus scientists know it vaccine is a vaccine scientists know it uh, spirituality has no business to talk about it so this is second view where both have decided we won't fight you take up this field i take up this field material world science will take up inner life spirituality will take up outer world how you have to organize it science and reason will look into it the subjective state of man thought feeling it says it's up to you though psychology um, came in a strange position it has entered a field where it leans on this side and that side so psychology that way has become a kind of meeting ground because psychology deals with thoughts feelings and all these things or the third position which is the position which uh, i'll speak about it how logically it is true is that we one is understanding spirituality on a scientific basis the other is understanding science on a spiritual basis 
Now there is a fundamental difference of position between the two. When we say I want to understand spirituality on a scientific basis, we mean that reason, analysis, my sensory observation and material world, this is the true reality. Now based on that I understand. So I can understand God phenomena as a brain experience. It's an experience of the brain. How? Because certain cells suddenly get stimulated and therefore people suddenly say, ah, I had a vision of God. So this is understanding. So you are not denying the experience. But you are finishing it for good. <laughs> this is, uh, some people feel very happy that, you know, scientists have found a way to understand uh, God experience. But actually, you are finishing it. When you say that it is just a brain phenomena, what you are saying is, it's not really true, you know. Those who don't understand either, they are very happy. Scientists have confirmed that there is God. The experience of God is true. What it says, brain is the master, not God. So this is one way of understanding. The other is, there is an eternal consciousness which is independent of creation, which exists before creation. And that consciousness, uh, the creation is emerged out of that. This is the top-down view, which we find in the Gita. So, Ashwatri, where the roots are above. Now, here you understand science, you understand matter based on that vision. So, which one is true? Obviously, it is much more easier to accept the scientific vision. Why? Because it doesn't need any effort. Everybody believes, so it's like a bed chal. I believe. Most people are like that. They don't think much deep and try to go into it. For a spiritual vision, again, you can accept, just as in science, you accept a um, you know, scientist discovery. In spirituality, you can accept a you know, spiritual, realized person's discovery. Or you can actually say, just as in science, I will do a research and see for myself whether atoms exist or not. Similarly, I will do research and both require conditions, laboratory. In science, there is a laboratory and conditions. In spirituality, you are the laboratory and there are conditions inside. And you can realize the same eternal consciousness and from there you can start looking at it. So when Shurabindu speaks about science, he is understanding, explaining, revealing to us science from that vision where he has realized and from which he sees how this material world is. So it is very fascinating because we have number of books which talk about uh, the materialist understanding of matter. Why it is incomplete, I say, because, you know, the um, average human being is limited by his own consciousness. It's a fundamental fact we cannot escape. We are limited by our consciousness. So unless there is a way to expand our consciousness to higher, purer, more refined levels, we can never fully understand this. Now, this is the big problem. But in spirituality, we believe that uh, you can grow in consciousness and as you grow, you understand things better. And a typical example, before I read some of the poems, is when a child grows into an adult. Try telling a child what is an adult life. Child is attracted, but doesn't understand it. So the what, what does moms do after a point? You know, when you grow up, then you will understand. Hopefully they understand. <laughs> she is lost in her reverie. Hopefully they understand that yes. Then they say yes, I understand. So in spirituality it is growing consciousness. Then you look back and you understand. So the same thing applies here. So there are a number of poems of Sri on science. One of them for example is the vision of science. It's a longish poem. I'm not going to read it. But very beautifully it describes there that how the age of religion is going and the age of science has come up. And... Uh, as science and religion are coming up, there is a third spirit which is waiting 
that after science I am next. But meanwhile, while religion is going away, it is saying science. She wants to sit here, she can sit. So while science is passing, uh, religion is passing into the background, the angel. So it is telling the angel of science, who is a younger one, says, Thou thinkest term and end for thee are not, but though thy pride is great, thou hast forgot. Who is this thou? Science. Though thy pride is great, thou hast forgot the sphinx that waits for thee beside the way. All questions thou mayest answer, but one day her questions shall await thee. That reply, for they who cannot die. She slays them and their mangled bodies lie upon the highways of eternity. Therefore, if thou wouldst know, know first this one thing. Therefore, if thou wouldst live, know first this one thing. Who art thou in this dungeon laboring? So, the whole process of spiritual discovery from a purely scientifically arranged material world starts. When you say, but who am I? Am I really genes and gas and plasm? Start saying this to yourself, see what will happen. This is my question to many of these strictly material scientists. I said, your opinion has no value, just as my opinion has no value. Why? Because what value has genes and gas and plasma to talk about, you know, what this world is about? It's a gene. How do you explain a gene and this consciousness which has emerged? So not going into it, there is something else which is waiting which will emerge. So this is one poem. Another is which I referred, uh, I think yesterday, is uh, In the Moonlight. So, In the Moonlight is a beautiful poem about future. And in this, uh, Shobindu describes that how, you know, uh, this idea that all is chemistry and this is the first discovery and slowly man will discover more and more and takes to the utmost possibility. There, there is this brief mention of science. And then there is a very funny poem, which I want to read a little few lines There is an extreme view of science where everything is explained on the basis of hormones and you know uh, what is God realization if you are a you know thyroid is not functioning well then you know there is a way to explain as a psychiatrist I know you know everything they explain on the basis of some hormone gone wrong. So Shurabindo I will first take a dig at that it is a very interesting what a marvelous Ketina Andaj Shurabindo ka so with such a beauty clarity and uh, you know only master can write like this it's called a dream of surreal science so surreal is uh, you know it's a word now real real is real surreal is something which is like you know it's like a twilight state so like like something like a dream so a dream of surreal science one dreamed and saw a gland right hamlet Drink at the mermaid, capture immortality. A committee of hormones on the Aegean's brink compose the Iliad and the Odyssey. Committee of hormones. So, you know, they decided Iliad and Odyssey, we know, Homer's, Homer was a seer. Such beautiful writings. So, hormones were <laughs> going and they decided, let's write the Iliad and the Odyssey. A thyroid meditating almost nude under the bow tree. Saw the eternal light and rising from its mighty solitude, spoke of the wheel and eightfold path all right. Buddha, thyroid meditating almost nude, suddenly woke up, received enlightenment and gave this. So this is a satire that people who believe that this is all, 
what extent it can go you see sometimes you understand the absurdity of a proposition not rationally but simply by showing the absurdity for instance i as i said that uh, to a hardcore material scientist i would just ask so you are nothing but uh, babbling neurons inside you are a bag of chemicals now imagine the repercussion of this if you are a bag of chemicals then all law everything collapses what if you kill somebody what are you doing it was a bag of chemicals what's wrong with it logically you can do anything because it's a bag of chemicals see the kind of de- degeneration it leads to all kinds of values so there were people who said no 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 we need religion so that human values can be kept but if it is not true it is not true so you know if you take the strictly chemical view of life then actually people who follow that argument without they realizing it they start degenerating in life without realizing it simply because you can't support goodness there is no basis of goodness why should you be good it's chemistry it's survival instinct so he is taking a dig at that oh so you mean buddha was thyroid hormone which gave the eightfold path and millions of people have received enlightenment through that a brain by a disordered stomach driven thundered through europe conquered ruled and fell is obviously napoleon from saint helena went perhaps to heaven thus wagged on the serial world until a scientist played with atoms and blew out the universe before god had time to shout prophetic poem that you know if you take that approach then it is justified to blow out the universe because there is nothing in it it's matter so it is better it finishes i mean if you see logically there is no basis then of anything which is good higher nobler beautiful in life leave aside god even the impulse to be to do something in a nobler way in more refined way but what is the heart's intuition it is to do things that way always even a man who is in the mud always wishes if not himself my children even the hardcore criminal doesn't want his child to become a criminal why because there is something in us an intuition of the godhead so this is one poem then there are number of poems like that and they are under different names i'll just quickly say the name then come to the main poem one is discoveries of science and there how he's he's seeing from that light i'll just read last six lines the surface finds the screen phenomenon what are the surface finds all you know uh, solid is composed of this water is composed of this gas is this state uh, mud is this you analyze and surface finds so what is he describing it as screen phenomena it is screening something you are only analyzing the screen you don't know the reality our natures offered ransom while behind her occult mysteries lies safe unknown from the crude handling of the empiric mind but what you are missing it's like you see a person's dress and what do you say oh he is like this oh he is like that so what happened you don't know the person because you have gone by the dress you have gone by even the speech outwardly you don't know the person because you have missed it so similarly in science the crude empiric mind what is the empiric mind which goes by 99% people are like this so the rest are falling out of the bell curve you know the bell curve 
out of the probability bell's curve is maximum so those 5% we can discard them as crazy they go sometimes to pondicherry some people go to ramakrishna ashram here there they are some 5% of population majority are sane sensible people they have a practical understanding of life they do everything and then so this is the way he is saying ki crude empiric mind empiric mind is a mind driven by empirical evidence through the senses now what is empirical evidence through the senses communist argument god doesn't exist why because i don't see it you can explain it that your eyes cannot behold even this light and those who have seen say it is like the thousand suns will appear like a dark spot so how do you expect your eyes to see it unless you train it it's like in military 3 3 days and nights people there are people when they are trained for commando they don't sleep and they are not given cooked food they have to go and in the forest they know how to catch a snake and eat it they taught this tell it to an ordinary person say no no this doesn't happen you can train yourself for that they are trained for that giving one example in battle combat how how they survive living in the trenches sometimes for months they live there now you can't imagine that people can do it but they do it why because they have gone through the training they are motivated so similarly there is a way you can't say i don't see god so doesn't exist you try and then you don't see then you have a right to say so this is where the empiric mind goes by this kind so it will take a, a let's say statistical data and it has met 100 people have you seen god have you seen god have you seen god 100 out of 100 will say no so proved god doesn't exist now what is the problem you have not asked the right question you have believed that the only evidence is seeing god ask them have you felt the touch of god's grace in your life you see 100 out of 100 will say yes sometime this happened sometime that happened once i felt peace once i felt wideness once i prayed and my life changed now you see the way you take the take forward the query the things will change the last thing that will happen is in the material senses for god to come but there are many things inner being will feel it much easier because it's not based purely on the material evidence so you come to ashram you feel it isn't it you don't straight away go there and walk in and say oh i see mother and shurbindo sitting on the golden throne you know it you can see it it's a grace you can see it but i'm saying generally it's enough that you go there and feel it so this is how it starts our truths discovered are but dust and trace of the eternal energy in her race so what we discover right now is nothing toys the real game is yet to begin that's why shubhendu says the real game of life will begin when you have the new creation now some people even with that will distort new creation acha tal diya apne theek hai right brothers when they were trying to discover the aeroplane so be they were people you know that who knows what somehow balloon gas but he had opened the door to the space age if you really look at it but even before that dreamer you know who was the genius of the uh, if you take all the iq still date of at least the great people we know in the last 2000 years do you know who is regarded as the real genius leonardo leonardo absolutely bang on right 
Leonardo da Vinci is regarded as the greatest genius of all times. Not Einstein, not Tenier. And this person conceived an aircraft. I am talking of modern times, not the Pushpak Viman age. Conceived an aircraft at that point of time. How did he do it? But not only in that, his drawings on anatomy and biology are fantastic. His paintings, sculpture means science, art, call it. And he was, of course, uh, he knew about the Divine Mother. The mysterious painting which Mona Lisa till date, you know, people wonder. So, this, this is the kind of foresight. But in his age, people would have said, oh, same thing. New creation. Oh, oh Da Vinci, uh, you make nice drawings. But this is, you know, fabrication of your mind. But 300, 400 years down the line, Da Vinci is proved right. So it takes time. There is, you know, if, and the logic here is, if you have the intuition and the aspiration and faith, that means that is what has been bequeathed to you. If you believe and have faith and aspire for a new life, not this life full of struggle, pain, if you are not satisfied with thodi kushi, thoda gum, if you are not satisfied with love that easily breaks, and knowledge that is proved wrong tomorrow. If you want something greater and higher, that means already somewhere it has been marked out and it is possible. So this is another way to look at it. So he is saying, our truths discovered are but dust and trace of the eternal energy in her race. Then there is another beautiful poem. All here is spirit, where he speaks about uh, all here is spirit self moved eternally. For matter is its seeming or its form, a finite motion of infinity built up by energy's electric storm. You know this electric storm. I'm just saying in one. See the classical view of um, atom was electron, proton. That's how we were taught. No, this is not really true. It's a cloud and a storm. That's what will explain the density of solid objects. So it's actually a storm. It's not the way we have a very neat world of atoms. So how and where is this storm coming from? He describes that from that great invisible fire, sparks leap out. And then they become these electrons and protons and you know, electronic storm. A flux of solid instability whirled into shape by a tremendous force that labors out the world's fabric endlessly. See what a beauty of description. World's fabric. Matter. It is laboring out constantly churning and weaving. Creates and then destroys without remorse. Constantly it is like spinning out and bringing it back by the loom. Titan and worm, the dewdrop and the sea are fragile bodies like the aeon star, but through it all remains immortally the secret spirit we forever are. Matter is spirit's semblance, glamorous, self-woven for its own field and robe and house. So what is matter in this highest vision? It is the condition of the spirit for manifestation. It is brought out of itself. It says, I want to express. For instance, a poet has things inside. He wants to express. So what does he need? He needs a vocal apparatus. He needs a hand, a pen, paper. That's how he will express. But what is he expressing is held inside. So same thing, spirit for manifestation has created matter. That is the original matter. 
which is very plastic, luminous. But as this matter down the ages, and to take that example is paper. You know when people write something on paper, original paper. What happens down the ages through carbon copy and everything? It tends to fade away. So this what we are seeing is the last copy of matter. It is already in the process of easily getting torn. If you keep a paper over a long period of time, what happens? Become very fragile. Even if Veda is there on it, it can be torn. So this matter, as we know, is the last, most condensed form where it can be just it becomes fragile. So this is um, two poems, the ways of the spirit. But the one which uh, there are three of them. What we want to read is uh, science and the unknowable. But few more lines before that, the ways of the spirit. Another poem. An algebra of science, a scheme of sense. All nature, mountain, river, they are the algebra of God. Science, they indicate something. In algebra, that's how it is, no? Theta, beta and... <laughs> so they are signs which indicate something else. A scheme of sense, a symbol language without depth or wings, a power to handle deftly outward things are our scant earnings of intelligence. So it will tell us the composition of the stars but not what their truth is. Yet towards a greater nature paths she keeps threading the grandeur of her climbing steeps. And then we come to the this last one which uh, is what I thought we will read science and the unknowable. So science is in pursuit of the unknowable and it, it reaches, it starts from studying matter. Then uh, behind matter it discovered there is energy. Now science is entering that domain. So it enters into the domain of energy, wants to understand energy and forces. Then behind energy and forces it has not yet gone, that is consciousness. Then what is behind consciousness? The self. So this is the process and is very beautifully described in one of the Upanishads where the father asks his son, who is also his disciple, Tell me what is uh, Brahman. The son asks, Father, tell me what is Brahman. He says, you see, whatever is real, that alone is Brahman. So, you think about it. So, after thinking a lot, he says, matter is Brahman. Annam Brahmeti. He says, good, but go deeper. So, again he says, things after that, he says, Pranam Brahmeti. It's energy is Brahman. So, he says, good, go deeper. So, then he goes on, you know, that there is mind which directs the energy, gives it shape and form. He says, go deeper. Then the Vijnanam, that which directs even the mind, Brahmeti, he says, go deeper. Then at the end, what does he say? Anandam Brahmeti. It's nothing but Ananda. So this is how science will also advance. It is right now still touching the surface. And it's up to us. If you want to live forever with the surface, it's... That freedom is given to man. But it can never satiate our thirst. How long? So, with this background we read science and the unknowable. So, this little background about this uh, poem is also that, you know, we nowadays, we still follow this old pattern. There is science and there is spirituality. They are both different, you know. No, they are not different. There is behind the visible, the play of forces which we don't see. 
So, technology, very often it comes about technology. Technology is an instrument and nothing wrong with technology. But who is using that instrument is important. And how will you know who is using that instrument? You will know it by what he is doing. And what he is expressing is very simple. Brahmastri is technology. When Arjuna uses it, he never actually used it till the end. He had Pashupatastra, you know, that devastating. There was no equal to that weapon in the entire Karva Pandava army. Pashupati is Shiva's astra, no? So it can destroy the entire thing in a moment. It's more powerful than Brahmastra, by the way. But Arjuna never used it. But the same Brahmastra with Ashwatthama. So it is, there is nothing wrong with technology, but there is something which we must understand about the user. What is the consciousness of the user? How will you know it? You will know it. And that's the whole problem with the world. Nuclear energy, you can use it to light up the world. You can use it to blow up the world. Bring complete darkness into the world. So that's where we have to be careful and conscious. So here comes this little poem, this sonnet, Science and the Unknowable. In occult depths grow nature's roots unshown. This is a way of Ashwath tree. Look, Shurabindu has a way of in occult depths, unseen, we don't know where is nature. We use the word nature. Where is nature coming from? Each visible heights is base in the unseen. And if you see from this point of view, you cannot know anything about anything unless you know God. Because that is a source. So that's why in ancient yoga it was that forget about everything, first know that. After that you come back and know everything else because... Till you know that, all knowledge will be proviso with a question mark and incomplete. Now, I may be satisfied with incomplete knowledge, that's my problem. I may say, there are people now who say, Hamko kya karna hai sab se. Leave it to some crazy people. It is workable for me. For me, it is enough that I kick start a scooter and I go to my office. That's all I need to know. But there are those who want to know, who is that fellow who is driving the scooter? When is it that he wants to speed up? When is it that he wants to slow down? Why he meets with accident? So that's another aspect of it. That behind. Can I communicate with the scooter? Can it become for me a living extension of my being? So that's where the whole thing lies. And this knowledge, see how beautifully this thing about instrument. Now it is said that uh, you know each of the dhanush used in by the, the 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 great ones, it bore a name. Even the conch shell bore a name, and they had different sounds, different twangs, and there was a meaning behind it. It was not like Arjuna went and picked up a conch shell, or Sri Krishna said, "Okay, I like this one. This is good. I want to buy it. What's the cost? And let me buy it." You know, Panch Jan, how he got it? <laughs> he literally goes and fights with. You know, in that Patal Lok, and brings back his uh, Guru's children who have died back to the Guru. Then the Nag Lok, they gift him Panch Janya. You have heard about Sri Krishna Sang. So, what is the power of this Sang? You see, if you read the story, it is the its sound. I mean, as the whole thing goes, even the beings of the subconscious they would be terrified because he has won over them and then received it. 
so when shri krishna blows the conch shell panch janya then even the uh, all the demons and all the denizens of the nether worlds who are around mahabharata battlefield <laughs> they would say my god it's terror for us when arjuna who is gifted similarly gandiv when he twangs the gandiv then it strikes terror so the reason is that it's not just an instrument there is a conscious power within it so this kind of relation of the instrument technology and the consciousness which is using it we think it is a human being no anybody and everybody cannot use anything and everything this idea which is a democratic idea is okay but we must understand that tomorrow what are its repercussions you can paint anything in any which way you can make anybody speak anything nowadays with ai you can make shurbindo vivekananda say things which they never uttered and you can't make the difference mind you with swami vivekananda and shurbindo because you have never heard them i mean there is nothing recorded already there was speech of swami vivekananda chicago address which was being sent everywhere i hope people know that it is there is no such recording available when i had heard it i confirmed it straight from the ramakrishna math that what is it no there is no such recording but circulated but it's okay you may feel inspired but why tell a lie why not say that it is not swami vivekananda but the same speech which somebody has recited see the difference between when you recite a poem now i am reciting science and the unknowable supposing i don't say who is reciting and i just read it out and you say shurbindo now isn't it um, apart from the deep fake isn't it uh, wrong isn't it um, falsehood of one kind it is very simple it doesn't need much to think about it that i am putting words into somebody's mouth which are not there meaning thereby what i am playing i am playing god or devil of a kind i am putting into speech speech is not just about word it's also about sound see we don't understand it's not the words same words are there which swami vivekananda has spoken no the same words spoken by two different people have a different impact you know that story of someone that uh, mantri who wanted to take 6 months leave from the king so he said why he says i want to uh, do siddhi of gayatri mantra so king said why you need 6 months you are trying to cheat me he said what do you mean sir are i know it every day i recite it see this is the mantra he says no sir this not correct he says what do you mean is there a fault in my recital he said no then he said you tell me uh why, why do you need 6 months so then the mantri instead of giving him a direct answer asked all the people who were present that go and of course this is a story don't take it as you know a gospel truth but the story indicates that you go and catch the king make him a prisoner so all the people are thinking what has gone wrong with the mantri he has gone crazy now angered by his words the king says catch the minister immediately everybody goes and catches him so the minister says sir this is the difference you have acquired the power so when you say catch the minister everybody listens i don't have the power i have uttered exactly the same word mind you but nobody listen to me because i don't have the power so it's one thing to know something intellectually quite another to realize it so the same thing applies here that it's not a Uh, you know there is a whole play of forces inside 
which we have to understand. Even the invisible guards, what it can mean in a yet deeper invisible unknown. Where all you can go? You see, if you go behind this uh, physical, vital world, mental world has many gods, goddesses, layers. That's how you see Puranas speak about Tethis Karud, whatever, Janaganana, Devaganana. So how does it climb? It doesn't climb from here. It comes from there. You have the three trinity. And those three come into the one. So one, three, then you see the multiplication of three. So what is that crore? Each and every little process. Even when you inhale, there is a God involved. When you exhale. So who are these God? They are beings. You see, when you read um, the Dasmaha Vidya, one of the goddesses, I was very surprised that what is meant by it, but I realized that how powerful it is. Just as Mother Saraswati is Vanga Devi and she can make you speak what you had never imagined, beautiful things. Similarly, one of the forms of the Divine Mother is Bhagla Mukhi and she can paralyze your speech. So I said, why would a goddess do it? Then realize this is so important, otherwise you end up speaking things which you are not supposed to speak. She can restrain. Now imagine that these are beings. Now normally in science, what is there? It's an apparatus. Apparatus is alright, but what is uses that apparatus? The same voice box is in a man who is abusive and a man who is reading Devabhasha. But the difference is in the consciousness of the user. It's the same apparatus. So that's where you go step by step behind screen phenomena. Man's science builds abstractions cold and bare. One of the big problems of science is that it robs the heart of wonder and delight. Everything is with this left side of the brain. So the joy, the wonder, you see, oh, Prahlad, I remember, you know, seeing that movie of Prahlad, Hari, 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 Hari. I remember I was so enamored and charmed. If I tell now, you know, that, Achha, what exactly happened to you? I don't know what happened to me. Achha, when you were saying Hari, so what did you feel exactly? Okay, why you felt it? Okay, at the end you say, you know what, my brain got crazy. <laughs> Simplest answer. But that experience of three nights, three days, I can't forget. Even in sleep, I was chanting Hari, 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 Hari. Why was I doing it? I have no logic about it. Of course, I discovered that somebody who had given me a tabij as a child had within it Hari written there. But that's different beside the point. So why did it come suddenly and why did it vanish suddenly? So there is, if we go behind deeper and deeper, from the science, abstraction, cold and brief. Ultimately, if you tell that, you know, Hari Naam Ki Mahima, so it will say Hari Acha, Ha. Then when you say Ha, your vocal, then your brain gets stimulated, right side. It will eventually go to that analysis. Ra, E, then eventually it will say right side of the brain, parietal lobe, temporal lobe. Ultimately, you will feel poor God is in a brain box. Huh? So that's how it will say yes. Now we know Hari Naam Ki Mahima Hai. You see, that's how. So, at the end, what happened? What has Hari become? Hari has become some neuronal action in the brain. What it has become? There is no Hari whom you can connect and say, Lord. Because you can't tell your own brain, Lord, I love you. <laughs> it's your own brain. 
So you see the difference? Our science is an abstract, cold and brief. So one of the problem with an extreme scientific view of life is that you become cold. The heart becomes cold. And it's only the intellect. So you can't savor that. And calves to formulas the living whole. God doesn't follow any rule. Duryodhan ke meva tyage saag vidur khayo are o Duryodhan ka kya problem tha? He had not done anything wrong. He's a good guy, prince. He is calling you to have meal. How, how can you be so rude? If somebody who had observed Sri Krishna's behavior would have said, you know what, he is very rude. Duryodhan had arranged such wonderful feast. He suddenly says, no, I don't want to eat it. And he goes and eats that sag in Vidur's house. Duryodhan ke meva tyage. So he would say, he's, uh, maybe he is a bit sentimental. Krishna is the last one to be sentimental, by the way. <laughs> He's over mental and beyond. <laughs> but he may look like sentimental. <laughs> Don't be carried away that he will be moved by just sentimental weeping and all that. He is exacting. He will you weep, he will smile. He knows what is behind the weeping. <laughs> he lures us to weeping, then um, he pushes us to weeping, then lures us again. That's how Sri Krishna works. Anyway, so calves to formulas the living whole. So what is uh, integral? Integral yoga is body plus vital plus mental plus supramental plus psychic. Spiritual, supramental, psychic. Mathematics ho gaya. So how do we practice? For the body, do asanas. For the vital, do pranayam. For the mental, do meditation. For the psychic, ask somebody. <laughs> For the spiritual, do meditation. This is the way. But this is not true because your being is one. There is a totality. You can't cut one God into bits and parts. This is why this idea of this path, that path has taken away the totality of the divine. You reach a point in evolution where you cannot say this path or that path. All is a path. Everything is a path. This is how mother says in one of her prayers. The path is everywhere. The path is through everything. Even the smallest, meanest, pettiest act can become a path. How you look at it. How you deal with it. And meditation may not be a path. When you are sitting and thinking, Oh, today time kitna? Mene peace minute ka mera kota ho gaya. Then you again next day, ah, one hour. Then after that, you know, I meditate two hours every day. Morning, boss, to 4 o'clock I get up, I sit for meditation, 2 hours every day. And everywhere you are going, God is not impressed. <laughs> he knows what's happening inside. So this is where, because we are a totality, He is not just seeing you in a mechanical posture. He is also seeing what's going on inside you during meditation and during your whole day. So this is where the living whole, it's not like dead matter and this and that. And calves to formulas the living whole. If you do this, this will happen. If you do that, that will happen. It is a brain and hand without a soul. A piercing eye behind our outward stare. So what does science uh, give us? It gives us a brain. Power of analysis. Without a doubt it gives us. It has its place. And it gives us a hand. Deaf device technology. 
But what it takes away? It takes away the soul. Because it doesn't believe in soul. What is soul? Pineal gland. <laughs> soul ko the chodo. People often ask, where is the soul located in the body? So if you are in a funny mood, you say that there are four chambers in the heart, you figure out. <laughs> no, no, I read it was in pineal gland. Yeah, it is shifted place because everybody was searching in the pineal gland. <laughs> Have some fun, no? Everybody was searching in the pineal gland, so it decided, no, no, I am not going to be in pineal gland. But how can it do it? It's marji. <laughs> soul ki marji then you know people pester you then you say you know actually it's in fourth dimension fourth dimension then google search fourth dimension then that is very confusing after that nobody will ask you anything because fourth dimension if you read on wikipedia after that you will feel <laughs> this is enough baba try not the fourth dimension in terms of time but the fourth dimension which is beyond the three dimensions of space where the inside is out and the outside is in, right? That's the closest. <laughs> Try reading it and see. Fourth dimension, achha, things do exist now, but the people will agree. So this is how it tries to dissect and finish everything. <laughs> Someone says, we used to do this as doctors, medical students, dissection of the body, no? So that time I was going through agnosticism and all, but later on people, I said, people do dissection, so why they don't find the soul? I said, obviously it is left. So how? <laughs> Dissection is done on a dead body. Uh, so what about the surgeons? Well, they are too busy looking at the liver and the other things. Soul is saying, look here, I am here, but they don't. So, you know. <laughs> the soul is not in the body. The body is an instrument of the soul. It fuses with the body for a certain purpose. It can detach from the body and exist as an independent reality. Science cannot teach you that. Yoga can teach you that. Yoga is also a science, but science of a different kind. That's what Sri is telling us. The objects that we see are not their form. A mass of forces is the apparent shape. So what we call as shape, fixed shape. Is what? It's a flux of forces. It's a dance of energy. All the atoms in my body and the atoms in the atmosphere and the atom all around are actually mixing up. It's an illusion that we have. Even the breath, the visible, tangible skin, they're all the time it's a mixing up. And this is called in yoga vital interchange. Constant interchange of forces is taking place in the yoga. If you in, in this life, and if you go still further, it will be the law of interconnectedness. And if you go still deeper, it is yagna by which the divine is created. Prajapati. What is this? Yagna. What does yagna mean? It means this everything you put inside, and then everything is received. So, in this whole universe, this idea of separate distinctness. It's very different. Somebody asked me, for example, how does God see each one's nature? I said, he sees each one as himself. Where is this? Your nature is nature. Of course, when it comes to action, then he has to come many steps down to say your nature and his nature. But in his ultimate splendor, he sees all as himself. So this is the, the objects that we see are not their form. Mass of forces in the apparent shape. So he sees the play of forces. It's not the form, but the play of forces. All human beings look the same. But there is a difference in the play of forces, which is behind. 
pursued and seized their inner lines escape even if you say okay this these are the forces material forces but you have missed out on the still the vital force the mental force the force of ambition the force of greed we don't see it you see only the external in a vast consciousness beyond our norm follow and you shall meet abysses still if you go dig deeper and deeper you will reach points where you just don't know what is there material universe has reached a point of nothingness we can't probe beyond this then you go energy you will reach a point where it again circumscribed what is beyond then you go still further the thought world you go still further so abysses follow and you shall meet abysses still infinite veiless mute unknowable so the last step you stand on the borders you cannot cross by any science any knowledge anything so what you have to do there you have to a vast surrender was his only strength there you meet the golden sphinx who guards the gates of eternity so there you have to surrender if you know who you are or what your real purpose is then she will open it's up to her she will open the gates and allow you to pass then you enter into the infinity of god otherwise remain with finiteness happy with finiteness which one cannot be forever because our soul is a portion of the infinite so this is how we can understand science so science and spirituality are not two boxes there are no two boxes there is only one thing and there is no box <laughs> that one thing with a capital t is infinity but just as we look at an ocean and you look at the sea in front of you so what do you say oh sea is so calm ask somebody traveling on the atlantic ask him sea is very calm no no it's very rough yesterday night i was seeing the boat people no fishermen they go into the sea i was wondering what their life must be it's worth once going there and experiencing you know they have though you can see those lights at night you will feel that the lights are same static is it really true why you can't see because your eye cannot register a motion beyond a certain degree so from that distance you can't really see the upheavals but if you go there you will probably have motion sickness or nausea because it's a different experience altogether so something similar that what we experience there is only one reality but we all experience it differently based on our limitation our angular vision our past conditioning our experiences our constitution our destiny or whatever else so this is the ultimate truth of vedanta but this truth of the one has to be simultaneously seen as the truth in manifestation there the one limits itself the infinity limits himself in finite and this finite goes from cosmos worlds that are finite finite cosmic um, mental it's a finite but very vast you enter into it it's almost like god cosmic vital you can be lost in it experiences after experiences cosmic physical material universe see and then this finiteness can go right up to the boson particles
within atoms. So, but this finite is always held by the infinity behind, and that is the story of Kena Upanishad. Even a blade of grass is held by the infinity of the divine consciousness behind. If the blade of grass forgets it, it is vulnerable and fragile. Now comes the practical side of this teaching. If the blade of grass thinks I am a blade of grass, then it is meant to be trampled and it will learn its lesson of humility, which is wonderful. But the day the blade of grass knows that I am nothing but a little front of the infinite consciousness behind, then Indra, Varuna, Maruts, Agni rushes upon it and cannot do anything to it. Why? Because that blade of grass is held by the eternal. So this is the logic of yoga. If you think you are a limited being, you are a limited being. If you think you are eternal and infinite, not think, just think. But you start with the idea and you progress towards faith, idea, then you progress towards that contact and realization. You become supported by that. So to close, like vaccines, some people ask, should I take the vaccine? If you believe in it, do you believe in it? No. Do you believe in virus? No, I don't believe in virus either. No, so depend. But if you believe in it, take it. Subtly. You can't go by what somebody else uh, you know, understands. It's your life. You make a choice. But a lot will depend upon what my basic you know, faith in life is. What is my basic faith and will to be. If I believe that I am divine, one day I will find the way and realize the divine. The way will be found. You don't have to read a single book. That's how people realized. Soham asmi, soham asmi, soham asmi. I am that. Even if the body is being pierced by arrows, I am that. So one day you will find a way, figure out a way. Because it's infinite. The path, pathless. Wayless. Shradvindas used the word wayless. He will make sure. Because that is the secret truth. The day you forget it, then you are. Then you have to go by whatever limited means are there. When mother was asked, about sanitation hygiene. She said, because people don't believe. Their faith is in these methods, so you must use these methods. If your faith is in scientific methods, use scientific methods. Also, don't hang in between. Don't imitate somebody. Other person is not doing, therefore, no. What is your faith and will to be? As is your faith and will to be, so you will realize. Yogo yatha maam prapadyante as is a man's faith, so does he end up realizing. Namaste.